Are you ready? Now back to Heatwave Sports. We're going to start hour two a little early here on Heatwave Sports. Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 98, 9 FM, 1340 AM. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton. Quick program, you know, Tom. You get next weekend. It's a three-day weekend. You get next weekend off, Tommy. So there's no show next week. You can uh, plan something out. The kids have no school next Monday. Hey guys, yeah, yeah it looks, looks like, like uh, we, we lost him temporarily. temporarily. Um, so yeah, yeah he's he saying uh, next week we're not going to be on. So three-day vacation for me. That that means I can actually sleep. You know, it is funny. There are there are gaps in the sports calendar where I can actually sleep. <laughs> and it, it, it's not often, but there are little gaps. But, you know, as soon as the Super Bowl ends, all of a sudden my mind starts focusing on March Madness, which, look, today's not the show for that. But the next time we talk, which now will be about two weeks down the road, uh, we're going to start getting ready for March Madness. And it was a weird Super Bowl this year, kind of. It, you know, I don't know how many of you guys out there, and this is a PSA for all the men out there. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Make sure you go get those chocolates, go get those, uh, those flowers, get everything done. It was a late Super Bowl this year. But while it's going to throw us into a tizzy a little bit because, oh, no, it's a late Super Bowl, the good thing is, is that we're going to blink an eye and it's going to be March, right? It's going to be conference tournament time. It's going to be NCAA big-time tournament time. We don't have that much of a gap, right? We're looking at the 14th is going to be tomorrow morning. We have off next week, right? And then all of a sudden we're coming back and we are literally talking about the conference championships that will start to take place within days after we're back in, in two weeks. So that is something enormous that nobody really gives a lot of credit to. And yeah, look, here's my other PSA. Your wife likes flowers. Your girlfriend enjoys chocolates and candy. Get something else. They love a card. I don't know why. I can't tell you why. But women love a card. And they love to think that you really connected with what the card said, right? Like, you don't have to write anything on the card to whatever your wife's name is and from whatever your name is is good enough. But go get a card that speaks to her, that means something. So women, they're going to love the card tomorrow. We know that. And make sure you get something besides just chocolate and candy. You know, a lot of people go, oh, I got chocolate and candy. No, 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 you need something. You know, you need something, a little bit of something, some kind of present to say, hey, you know what? Um, I know I got drunk during the Super Bowl yesterday, right? I, I know that, that the Super Bowl was yesterday, but, you know, here we go. Here's something a little extra for you. See, that's what we do here. We don't just talk about sports. I'm trying to help out the guys. And uh, it, is, it is a funny situation that they do the Super Bowl here. I remember, and here we go, old man yelling at a cloud. But I do remember when the Super Bowl used to be taking place in January. Uh, and it used to be January. And then, you know, sometimes it would creep into early February, maybe the first or the second. Now, all of a sudden, we're into the 13th. It, it's bad in a way because it kind of throws you all off. But it is good in a way because now you have, you know, look, the rest of February, and then, bam, all of a sudden we're into March Madness. So that is the good thing. 
the the upside to everything that is going on. Um, with that said, so let, let's go back. We are going to sit back and, and rehash what's going on with the Super Bowl, even though we are looking uh, ahead. And there were some things with the Super Bowl that I just, you know, I think L.A. did poorly. To me, the entire experience tonight was just a poorly done experience. Los Angeles did not highlight their city, their state, and everything else. They just didn't do it the right way. The pregame ceremonies were not done correctly. It was a, it seemed almost thrown together. And, and I feel like that's kind of the situation. You know, Tim, I don't know if you agree, but the pregame ceremonies, the commercials, the whole feel, really, leading up to it, it seemed like the uh, Super Bowl this year, it was almost thrown together, Tim. It did not highlight L.A. as being this place I want to go to. It didn't highlight the teams as, oh, man, I got a roof for this team. It was almost ho-hum, just like the Super Bowl itself. All right. I was told Tim was back. It doesn't look like I'm Tim here. Was back. I'm here. Okay. okay. I'm so, here. Tim, did you hear what I was saying about the, the ho-hum nature of the Super Bowl? Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, last night I told you, Tom, that they were charging $7 million second spot on this uh, on this game. And I don't think they, they spotlighted L.A. In, in any way. And I know that for sure that whatever stories they tried to build to, to come into the Super Bowl, that um, the stories didn't work either. It's all around, it's, it's what we have talked about since the show started. It was just very, very ho-hum, lackluster. What about the commercials, Tim? Um, the commercials where I was at. Now, look, I'm in a, I'm in a crowded bar and, and whatnot. But the commercials where I was at, they got almost no ovation. One or two in the, in the grouping kind of got a little bit of a, of an uprising. Okay, the, the Peyton Manning, Eli commercial, you know, that, that got people going. There was one or two that kind of hit it. But the commercials themselves, they, they were kind of boring as well. We used to spend, Tom, we used to spend, what, a, close to a half hour on the commercials just because they were so good. But inflation, uh, sponsors pulling off, whatever you want to call it, pandemic last year, it, it's caused it not to be worth it anymore. You know, this this is going on, what, two, almost three years now of just the commercials aren't that big of a deal anymore. I mean, really, realistically, I... I what was your favorite one? My favorite one was probably the one with the the dog that, that ran out of juice halfway through his jump, <laughs> looking for its owner. I thought that one was good, but uh, the Sopranos one was was kind of cool, but not not for that type of uh, car commercial. But other than that, I, I it was it was whatever. It was a waste of money, I think, is what it was. Well, I'm here in New York, then, right? And we we're all watching the Sopranos commercial. It was kind of funny. Everyone's watching it kind of like, oh, wait, oh, this is kind of cool. Oh, Meadow Sopranos driving, oh, this is awesome. And you get out, and she hugs her brother. You're like, oh, man, they didn't die. And then it's for a friggin' a, a green car. The collective moan that went out around, among the crowd, like, oh, it was for that car? <laughs> you just, you don't want that to be associated. You know, um, I thought the Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, where Archie comes down and yells at them in the basement. I thought that that was good. That, that was a good one. Uh, I mean, like the stuffed animals commercial, the yeah. virtual 
whatever the heck they, they were wearing on their eyes, you know. She thought that that was pretty good. Overall, the commercials were were pretty just bland. But I, I thought the whole the whole vibe of bringing up L.A. and the vibe of bring, look, look at California. There was a lot of California commercials. Most of them fell dead flat. There was a lot of L.A. commercials. Most of them fell really, really flat. Then. You know, and it is, a, it, maybe it's my age, but I was saying this earlier today to the people that we were with. I said, when I was younger, when I was, you know, eight, nine, ten years old, I wanted to move to Hollywood. I wanted to go there. I wanted to see the people. I, I, I thought it was one of those places that was magical. There's, you couldn't pay me to go to L.A. now, right? I mean, you, you literally could not pay me to go to that absolute desolate hellhole of a human place on Earth. And they did nothing to sway somebody like me. They did nothing in their power to kind of move someone like me to say, oh, yeah, I want to go to L.A., same. When I grew, when I was growing up, LA was the place to be, and, and we luckily, being so close, you know, we, we would go on vacation all the time. And, and usually it was to Orange County, but as I got into my teen teen years, and I was able to kind of go on my own, I would go to LA and, and look. Sunset Strip's cool. Hollywood's cool um, to visit, right, Tom? To visit. But as you get older, that traffic just when you're visiting, the traffic's definitely not cool. Uh, the, just the it's dirty. It's dirty and filthy. It stinks. You know, there's a lot of things about LA that they glorify, which are completely not even close to the truth. And for me, I like Orange County. If I'm going, I go to Orange County. I go to Anaheim. You know that, Tom. That's my area. So I don't think they did LA any favors with any of these commercials and making anybody want to go there that's past the age of, what, 25, 26? Well, it. And that's what I was going to say, you know, they're appealing to the younger people, but they're giving us, you know, mediocre, old, has-been celebrities. You know, even in the, even panning the stand, who are you showing us? You're showing us Sean Penn? Really? Is that making me like L.A.? I mean, L.A. is filled with, you know, evil people, uh, not, you know, and I, and I mean evil in the, the realm of, most of the world is rooting against them, kind of deal. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Right? I mean, is that who you're really highlighting? Does that make the 20-year-old or the 25-year-old really want to come to L.A.? Did Mario Lopez in a commercial? Is, is Mario Lopez in a commercial making the 27-year-old go, yeah, you know what, that's the move i got to make? I, it, I just think it, was, it fell short. It, it fell flat on most of the audience. Yeah. While, while we're talking about other aspects of the Super Bowl, let's just go ahead and dive into it because I know this was a big contention point in the group chat you and I are with. And I guess apparently you and I are, are the the sour faces here that thought that the Super Bowl halftime show was an absolute atrocity. Uh, I, I thought, and I said last night, it will probably be one of the worst halftime shows that I've seen. And it lived up to that billing. It was, I know a lot of people point to Coldplay, Tim, right? But I, I think that this is by far the worst halftime show I've ever watched. By far. It was, um, it wasn't even my taste in music. You know, first of all, the, the, the vibe of it all 
to come out and not start off with California love, what, what are we doing? Right? I mean, right? What, 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 what are we doing? How, how do you not start off with California love? That, that's first of all. Then you get into a situation where I don't even know what they were trying to do with the, you know, completely white, looking like an unfinished set of like like a background of an apartment building. I don't know what they were trying to get at, but again, that's all black. Then you have a little bit of a momentum going on. You have a little bit of, of things that are good, and all of a sudden, somebody that, that I, I didn't know who he was. I'm going to be completely honest. Kendrick Lamar comes out. I had no idea who this random person was. And I'm going, you, you dress your background dancers like convicts, and whatever he was attempting to say or sing, I don't want to say it was singing, because he, he certainly doesn't sing, but whatever he was trying to say, even the, the people that were enjoying the show were going, what the hell is this? I mean, it was absolutely terrible. Snoop Dogg was at, look, Snoop, Snoop, it needs to be in a retirement home at this point. He is old. He is off. He, it was a bad, bad, bad showing. Now, Eminem came on and Dr. Dre came on, and I will, I'll give him credit. They tried to kind of save the thing. But when you, when you never really had talent in your life and you're trying to cling on to whatever strands of random talent you did eventually have, it, it falls flat. Kendrick Lamar was bad. Uh, Mary Day Blige was, was awful. Um, Snoop Dogg was, was absolutely terrible. I mean, the fact that you opened up the show with him, there was nothing exciting. We had heard, oh, there's going to be a hologram of, of Tupac. There's going to be a hologram of Tupac and Biggie, you know, make, you know, hugging and kind of putting their differences to rest. And we heard that. And 50 Cent looked like legitimately he was 75 Cent. He ate so many hamburgers. It, it was a... Yeah, it was embarrassing, is, is the only thing I could say. For anybody that watched, listened, and bought the albums of these guys back when they were, you know, in flavor, this was an embarrassment to all embarrassment. It was by far the worst halftime show. And it was, it, it really was. It was embarrassing for the listener and the viewer to sit back and go, oh, these guys are old. They really don't have it anymore. This, this is embarrassing. And is that what, again, you know, we just talked about the, the commercials and we talked about the, the celebrities that were, were there. Was this just basically, Tom, all about nostalgia, L.A., old, old nostalgia, and, and uh, that's the age group they're marketing to? Because you said it when Dre and, and Snoop, especially when, when they came out with teenagers. So... Let's fast forward 30 years later, and this is what we're watching. And don't get me wrong, I, I have the, I have most of those CDs. I, I listen to them when it comes on, but I wasn't like excited for it like everybody seemed to be. And yet social media blowing up with this is the greatest halftime show ever. Like how can you be any further, further from the truth? You just look like an idiot for saying something like that. It wasn't – not only is it in the discussion of Tom – not being the best ever. It's not, it's in a discussion of being the worst ever, correct? Well, it's funny because the people that tweeted that out, James Harden, greatest uh, halftime show ever. LeBron James, greatest halftime show ever. You look at their comments 
and LeBron James' comments, I, I got, I was scrolling through, I got to two or three hundred comments, Tim, there's not a positive comment among them. You know, it is, it's like they tweeted that out before the, the concert went on, right? Or before the halftime show went on. They were going to defend people that they liked. They were going to defend people that they wanted their agenda to have. It didn't matter how they sounded. Um, and if LeBron James says so many things, we know. Look, I call LeBron James the most uneducated, most unintelligent athlete I've ever covered in 22 years of covering sports, right? I have never covered somebody more unintelligent than LeBron James. When he comes out and says things like that, and James Harden comes out and says things like that, you know it's an agenda thing, right? It is not a realism kind of take. Somebody that was a realist, and I can tell you, I was sitting next to six kids, and I called them kids, six kids next to us. They had to be in their early 20s. They were there pumped up for Kendrick Lamar. And I said to them, I was like, I don't even know who this guy is. I never heard of him. They were there for that. They thought that this was going to be awesome. They were all pumped up for the halftime show. They were talking about it. They were ready to go, Tim. The halftime show ended. They looked, and they were like, wow, okay, that was bad. I mean, it's okay to want an agenda to be pushed through. It's okay to kind of want something to sound good. But you have to also be a realist when it falls flat. When it falls flat, you got to be able to say, ooh, that, that was, you know, that, that was rough. There's nobody out there that can really, truly say that this was a good halftime show, Tim, and being honest with themselves. That was absolutely atrocious. And it's okay to be bad. Just admit it, right, and move on from it. But make excuses and flip the narrative completely the other way. You look like a fool, and I'm talking to – I read a lot as well, Tommy, and I read the people that – commented that it was the best and i trailed the comments and i agree but i saw the same thing you did that more than three four to one the other way and then i read the the tweets that were negative and yet most of the comments were agreeing with them so my problem is and i'll just stay right here in this city tom with our fellow media brethren 90 percent of them all loved it it's the greatest thing ever and that's that's again my head almost explodes every time i have to deal with this kind of thing because it wasn't good and I'm, uh, you're talking to somebody who grew up in that era as well. And I, it's not that it's – is it my favorite type of music? No, but it's up there. And I liked those those artists, and I still like those artists. It just wasn't a good show. Eminem, I like Eminem a lot, right? The guy performed for two and a half minutes, Tom. That, that's it. That was his whole part of the show. Dre, I love Dre. Again, beginning, and then he was right at the end. Snoop was—he looked like obviously he was high going into it, Tom. But he looked extra high for this. Um, your your niece, right? She's in her twenties. Did she watch the, the the halftime show? What did she think? Because you just said it, kids. We're talking about twenties, mid twenties, maybe even up to the late twenties. She had the same opinion, right, Tommy? It was like, well, okay, that kind of stunk. Yeah, I you know I still love the music, but. And there's yeah, always, always that but. I, I knew people that were actually in L.A., right, at the stadium watching, and they're like, we couldn't see anything. These guys were in boxes. Right? So even the live performance, because sometimes you go, man, that's live. You know, they say that about, um, about the Grateful Dead, right? Uh, you can't really appreciate the Grateful Dead music unless you go on tour with the Grateful Dead. I, I'm a guy that I like Jimmy Buffett. I will tell you right now that 
you can't really appreciate Jimmy Buffett unless you go to the concert. You know, there are some guys like that. So I thought, yeah, maybe, you know what, in L.A., maybe it resonated a little bit different. No, I took the people that were actually at the stadium, and they were like, that was terrible. You couldn't see them. They were in boxes, and they sounded atrocious. And, and like, okay, so there's no redeeming value here at all. Um, yeah, people that went into this hoping and wanting and pumped up for you know, the, the collaboration between all these guys, and, and they, they were like, uh, they're not going to say it's terrible because they love them, but they were like, yeah, this is uh, absolutely not what we thought. No, no, it's not. And for people that are in the middle that didn't really know, and there were people where I was that didn't really know. You know, you, you knew Eminem, you knew Dr. Dre, but you didn't really know anybody else. I have no idea who Kendrick Lamar is. Well, what I know is that he is one of the least talented human beings on the face of the earth. That was, that was horrible, bringing him aboard. But, you know, even the people that are in the middle that didn't really know, they were like, kind of like, what am I watching? Like, I'm waiting for something. I'm waiting for something huge. You have the stage of the Super Bowl. And we heard that, Tim. We are, there's going to be a special guest. Okay, that didn't happen. We are all going to have a hologram of Tupac. Yeah, yeah, that didn't happen. We are, there's going to be you know, a hologram of, and on the big board, Tupac and Biggie hugging. No, 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 that didn't happen. We, we heard a lot of things. I heard, you know, they're going to bring back a, you know, a logo of NWA and Easy E there to kind of represent it. No, 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 that didn't happen. Like, all of the things that maybe could have happened and maybe could have went down, none of it happened. What we got was an aging, untalented, random concert from guys that sounded bad, looked bad, and performed bad. Still stick to my top three, Tom. You two, NSYNC, Katy Perry. How about that? I'm going, I look, I, I'm a little bit different than you. Um, I go you two, Prince. And I liked, uh, when I was with you, man, I thought, I thought Justin Timberlake did a good job. Okay. You know, I'm not a I'm not a Justin Timberlake fan by any stretch, but I thought he did a really good job. What was that? The Philadelphia Eagles, wasn't that uh, that year? You know, I thought he did a really good job of what you expect, what you want from a Super Bowl. Um, and Bruno, yeah, look, I don't like Bruno Mars either, but Bruno Mars did a fine job. You know, last year, whoever that random guy that that no name was running around in a box, I mean, that was terrible. But I think that the, this Super Bowl gets my nod for worst Super Bowl of all time because the expectations were so high. I went into last year, and people were like, yeah, this guy, he's a random guy. Uh, he's going to be running around in a box. And I'm like, well, I don't expect much from him. <laughs> you know, and, and I got nothing. But I expected this to at least have pomp and circumstance. They didn't give that. They gave nothing here. This will go down. I thought the Who was pretty bad, Tim. I'll be honest with you. I thought the Who did a pretty terrible job. But I will say that for you know, my, my two cents here, this is kind of by far and away the worst Super Bowl show that they've ever done. Uh, the halftime show was a disgrace. It was, and the word that I would use for it is embarrassing. It was embarrassing to the artists that are all being made fun of today. It was embarrassing to the venue where you, you couldn't even see the artists from most places in L.A. It was embarrassing to the viewer that was hoping to see something cool. 
it, it was embarrassing for the song collection. How do you not open it up with, with you know, uh, California Love? It was just overall an embarrassing display. And yet the, tomorrow we'll read about how it was the greatest thing ever, Tom. And I can't wait to see what Phoenix has in store for us next year. You know, I, I was talking about that. I said, you know, forget about Phoenix. Vegas has the Super Bowl in a couple of years. And I said to Abby, I said, they won't do it. I know they won't do it. They're going to get some random rapper to, 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 to be in Vegas. But if you want to do it the right way, you're Las Vegas. Wouldn't you have the opening? I'm not saying the main act. But wouldn't you have the opening be Elvis, Frank Sinatra, uh, you know, maybe like Celine Dion, you know, kind of come together in a hologram form and have that feel of this is music in, in Las Vegas. It's Elvis. It's Sinatra. It's the Rat Pack. It's, you know, Celine Dion who brought our show there. Wouldn't you have that kind of feel? And then you could go into whatever main artist that you have. Uh, that's what Vegas should kind of do. Arizona? They're trying to do on-brand. You know, they keep saying that. Well, we want it to be on-brand. Yeah, but you had Tampa last year. You had a perfect opportunity to go get a big-time um, kind of Tampa celebrity, right? Somebody like Kenny Chesney come out there and, and sing on, on the top of the, uh, the pirate ship. I mean, that would have been awesome. I mentioned Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett opening up the show from a pirate ship in Tampa. That's on-brand. But they didn't do that. So I don't even buy into the on-brand thing anymore, Tim. You know, Arizona, they're going to get the next hot thing or what they think is the, the next hot thing. I don't think it's going to be anything uh, uh, special. But I do think that NFL executives tomorrow are going to – forget about what you thought. Uh, forget about what LeBron wrote out there. I think NFL executives tomorrow are going to sit down and they're going to go, okay, that was a complete disaster, <laughs> right? We cannot have that happen again, and and I'm hoping that they learn from this. We'll see, and, and you're right. You're right about Vegas. So it's in two years, but already the steam, like it's surpassed Phoenix. Nobody's talking about next year. They're looking at what is Vegas going to do, Tom, to top. And again, I'm, I'm going the, with the uh, mainstream here. They're, how how could Vegas top the LA Super Bowl? They don't have to do much, Tom. They really don't. No, not at all. I mean, if, if the Vegas uh, people and the architects of what the Super Bowl is, if they do anything that what, you know, the Vegas mediocre Knights will go, go out there and do, you know, on their ice, it'll blow away every Super Bowl, that the halftime show that we remember in recent memory. In recent memory, they don't have to do much. This was a complete disaster by every metric that you can say a disaster. Arizona, I don't have much faith that they're going to step it up. So if Vegas does the right thing, uh, bring a little bit of Elvis to the town. Bring a little bit of Sinatra and the Rapac. Just a little bit. You know, give a little nod to it. And then give me something, bam, something big, something awesome. I think that this could be fantastic for Vegas because the bar is set so low. I agree. I think if you want to go nostalgic, which is supposedly what this was supposed to be, if you want to go nostalgic, you mix in all the elements of Vegas. You have, like you said, the the older parts of it into the current. You know, the killers, Tom, they're from Las Vegas. They should have a part in the Super Bowl. So 
I think if you go that route, and then if you want to cap it off with whoever the hot mainstream artist is, I think that's a perfect way to do it. And um, it doesn't have to be rap, right? Why can't it be country? Why can't it be pop? Why, why are they re bringing in the retreads all the time? Put somebody new out there, man. Well, it's always rap because they think that that's what the players are wanting, even though most of this country does not buy rap albums. And this is not a... This is not an opinion, guys. It's a reality. Go look at the sales of rap albums compared to the sales of, uh, like you said, country or pop. It's, it's not even close. So the NFL will continue to keep doing things like this. They will continue to keep shooting themselves in the foot. They will continue to keep putting out controversial artists because they are trying to appease what they think the players want. And it's not really what the players want. They're trying to appease what they believe that the players want. And they're trying to force feed their you know, audience what they want to hear, what they think everybody wants. I mean, look at the, the, the pregame show today. It was force fed. It was something that you go, what, what are we doing? You know, what are we doing here? But the NFL is trying to show everyone how perfect they can be. And look, we're, we're, we care about you. No, no, no. Do what's best for the game. Do what's best for the television audience. Do what's best for the people that are paying your salaries. Don't always worry about what you think is best. Because what you think is best is most of the time not exactly reality. Tom, take a look at next year's odds to win the Super Bowl. This is from Caesars. The Kansas City Chiefs, six and a half to one. Buffalo, seven to one. Those are your top two co-favorites. The Rams, who won the Super Bowl, as we know, 10 to one. Cincinnati 12 to one, San Francisco 14 to one. Then you have uh, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, of course. The question mark here: Green Bay, Dallas 15 to one, and Tampa, which I don't know how far this is adjusted without Tom Brady sitting at 18 to one. Yeah, I mean, first glance, I, I, will, I told you I was going to talk to you today about this. You got to be nuts to go and take the Bills or Kansas City just because the, their odds are so low, right? Um, I think you got to be enough to take Green Bay or anybody attached to Aaron Rodgers right now. It looks like Aaron Rodgers might come back to Green Bay. All right, that could be a decent bet. But if he decides to bolt to Denver, all of a sudden that becomes a terrible bet. So you can't take that either. We're not, the only odds that I'm looking at today, and I told you I'm going to make a bet in the morning. I like your Ravens, Tim. Now, I wanted to find somebody from the NFC because I think the NFC is wide open. But I think your Ravens, getting 24 players back that are healthy, makes a little bit of sense. It does worry me that they're in the AFC. Looking at the NFC side of things, look, Dallas, Green Bay, the Rams, maybe San Francisco are really the only four teams that you could talk about. I will not talk about the Packers because I don't know what Aaron Rodgers' status is. So you're talking about Dallas, the Rams, and San Fran. you got about three teams to go on. The Rams and San Fran, they have pretty good odds, and so does Dallas. I don't see really an angle there that, that goes, okay, I can take a shot at this. It's a sad state of affairs, but I really don't, Tim. It's one of those Super Bowls that I'm going into, and I'm going, ho-hum, all ready for 2023. Yeah, the Ravens and not being a homer, but – they, they seem to have the, the best odds. I saw them 30 to 1 earlier. They've dropped actually down, like, I see 24 to 1 right now. But they, Tom, they had the best record in the league. And then Lamar, they lost two games uh, down the stretch because of Harbaugh going analytical. 
And then Lamar didn't play the last five games of the season. They didn't win any of them. That's why they didn't make the playoffs. So you're right. You're bringing them all back. It looks like Campbell wants to come back. I know he's a little bit long in the tooth as well, but it looks like he wants to come back and he's willing to do it at, I would say he's looking at a hometown discount, but who knows who's going to come calling in the off season. But I like them. And here's on one that I know we touched on a few weeks ago. If, if you feel like, and this is just purely from what value you can get, right? If you feel like Aaron Rodgers is going to the mile high city, wouldn't you jump on that now at 25 to one rather than obviously if he signs there, it's going to go way down. So. Yeah. That's the thing. The Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, news just lays out there. It, it, it really does. It throws everything off because you look at it and you go, Green Bay would be a pretty decent bet at, what, 14 to 1, 15 to 1, whatever you can get them at. If he comes back, the Denver Broncos at 14 to 1, 15 to 1 isn't a terrible bet if he goes there. But if he doesn't hit he decides not to go to Green Bay or decides not to go to Denver, you're done. You're dead in the water. Bengals fourteen to one, Rams of course uh, winning the Super Bowl at ten to one, and you said it. There's no value in those teams right now because they've been adjusted to based on the performance and what we saw this season in this game, Tom. Yeah, I, look, um, I like Cincinnati. I like the story that was Cincinnati. I'm not sure if they win their division next year. I'm not sure if they make the playoffs next year. And, and again, again, it's not an indictment on Joe Burrow, who, by the way, may have been playing with like an ACL tear. I mean, he really he looks pretty hurt out there. But not only that, but you you know some teams are going to be tough next year. Kansas City is getting in, right? You know that the Titans are probably going to get in. The Colts are going to be right there. Uh, the Bills are going to be right there. New England's going to be a tough team to get by. Uh, in your own division, I just mentioned I like the Ravens. If Pittsburgh gets a quarterback, all of a sudden you have Pittsburgh uh, competing right there. I mean, Cincinnati is a team that if you told me next year Joe Burrow's going to lead them to the Super Bowl, I'm going, all right, I'm listening. I buy in. But if you told me Cincinnati Bengals missed the playoffs next year, Tim, I'm listening to that conversation as well. Yeah. Let's take our final time. When we come back, we'll dive into the Bengals a little bit deeper as we look at their offseason and what changes do need to be made to make Cincinnati able to take that next step and join the likes of the KC's and the Buffaloes year after year there in the AFC. It's Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tom Barton and Tim Unglesby. And we're coming up to the end of your Super Sunday night here on Heatwave Sports. We are off next weekend. So we'll see you guys in two weeks' time. But, Tom, um, just to close the book on the Super Bowl, we looked at the Rams in hour one. Let's kind of break down the Bengals in, in, in hour two. Was it necessarily anything in this game that cost them an opportunity to win the Super Bowl? And leading into the future, where do they need upgrades to, to take the team a step further? I mean, the easy answer is the offensive line, but, um, you know, they, they kind of worked around that. Joe Mixon was very, very, very uninspiring tonight as well. Uh, I, I think, you know, for the Bengals, the
really thought to me is that you you had this team in hand. You know, they had a chance. The referees obviously gave LA the Super Bowl. They handed it to them. Uh, but one or two huge plays would have made a difference. And when I say huge plays, I'm not talking about downfield, big-time catches. I'm talking about Joe Mixon getting a couple more first downs. So if you need an upgrade, you obviously are going to look at the offensive line. You're going to stare at the offensive line. You're going to say, that's what we need to address, of course. But I think a lot of this has to do with the running game, whether that be the offensive line or Joe Mixon, who is just very uninspiring tonight. I think they win this game if they have a running back that can close things out. And, and again, we, we know how the NFL works, right, Tom? Especially in the AFC, it's not so easy to get back, not only to the big game, but you said it. They, you know, they could win nine games next year, which would be which would be a one game difference, and not make the playoffs. That's how deep that conference gets. Hey, you know, I'll go out there and say it right now. I don't think that they win the North. I think that they are a one and done next year in the playoffs, and this is not necessarily a slight to the Bengals. I just believe that. I believe that Mahomes is on a mission next year. I think Josh Allen is the best player in the game that we have. Uh, I think he's going to be on a mission next year. I think Lamar Jackson and 24 guys coming back and getting healthy for the Ravens is going to really elevate. And, and I think that the Ravens, with that schedule, with these guys coming back, I think the Ravens win the North. The Bengals have to go on the road either in Buffalo, Kansas City, or Baltimore, and they lose in round one. So we had our, our big Super Bowl preview show, Tom. We had a lot of people call in and give their predictions. You know, always a fun show. We always like to get everybody involved. So let's kind of go over how everybody did here and, and see where they, uh, see where they finished after this game. And then you and I can talk about how we did because <clears throat> we both had pretty good days, especially in, in the, on the prop side of it. So um, anybody who had the Rams, which last night – officially locked in was uh, Steve, Abby, Brian Feldman, Chris Wynn, myself, and Armando. We all had the Rams, and it wasn't uh, specific to Moneyline. So we had the Rams on the spread. We all lose that one as 23-20 comes through. Mike Dixon, Jose Volonte, and yourself, Tommy, had the Bengals. So you get the Ws there. It's the props that we're going to have some fun with. So Abby, Abby Barton. T. Higgins to score a touchdown, Tom. Yep, he got two. He got two, right. Steve Roy, Joe Burrow over 10 and a half yards rushing. Did he catch that? I don't know if he tried to catch that. I don't think he did. I'm going to check this one real quickly here. He had three yards rushing, so there was, there was a no cash on that. Brian Feldman went the route of Aaron Donald as the MVP. Yeah, no, not so much. Mike had the fun one. He had the Tupac hologram will appear, so we know that that did not cash. And I, did, did you even see that available where you were placing it? It no, wasn't on I didn't, see the, I didn't see there that anywhere. He convinced us on the air. He said, this has been confirmed. This is this is 100%. And I was like, man, I got to go find that on my, one of my offshores. I could not find it anywhere. Van Jefferson to score a touchdown. That was Chris Wynn. Uh, nope. Did not no. happen. No. Jose Volonte went the combo route. He liked Burrow and Stafford over 550 passing and five touchdowns. That was a fail as well. Armando yeah, Vasquez. Uh, he loved Joe Mixon. 
Yeah. Armando loved it. Over three sacks with the Rams. It took him to the fourth quarter, but he got there, Tom. Yeah, he got there. Uh, that was uh, uh, this, this morning. That was Rashad Jennings' big play, too. He absolutely loved. Uh, he liked Odell to score the first touchdown, but he also loved the over the three and a half sacks. I had Joe Burrow over a touchdown and a half, so Mixon stole that from me, Tom. And, and the lock. This was the lock. We don't use the L word, right? But you had the lock. The coin toss deferred, and it deferred. That was the that was the yeah. lock. That, that was the easiest win I ever had. I, I was celebrating people looking at me like I'm nuts. And I said, uh, they're like, oh, you bet on the coin toss? I'm like, no. No, no, no. I'm more of a degenerate than just betting on the coin toss. Come on. So you and I both had Henderson to get a sack. So realistically, what happened was you win the defer, and then two plays later, we get the sack. So at that point, you had already profited for the day. You were done. Yeah, I texted you. I said, well, I made money today. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, okay. That, that, that works for me. Um, yeah, that's why I do like the Super Bowl so much, because I do get involved so so much into the prop plays. Um Myself and Abby were at the place we had, you know, our paper out. We had all, all of our prop plays. Abby hits the T. Higgins, which was her biggest bet. She hits the T. Higgins uh, touchdown within, you know, the first quarter. I hit Hendrickson and the deferment within the first, what, three minutes of the game. And from that point on, we were just gravy, man. <laughs> right? I had Cincinnati plus four and a half. I had, uh, you know, a couple other things. She had... Higgins over 69 yards, he gets 100 yards. So we were just gravy at that point, and it didn't matter. No matter what happened, we were coming out on top. So I didn't bet the side or the total before the game started, and and I was I wasn't going to play it at all, Tom. When when the Bengals went up 20 to 13 in the third quarter, I just checked the in play, and I was able to get the Rams even money. So I threw a couple on the Rams, even money, and it ended up cashing for me. So I, I was happy with that. I also had other, also with the Hendrickson with you. I had um, the points for McPherson over. I thought maybe they would be more, you know, they would be more involved kicking wise, and he did end up getting getting there for me. I think it was seven and a half. He got eight. So I like that one. There, there, you know, there was there were some that uh, here's a good one. We mentioned it. you said Cam Akers never got off the bus, so he his prop was his longest run will be over 14 yards. Tom, I don't know if he had 14 yards for the whole game, so that was an easy under for me. I, I think really when you're looking and digging through there, you can find ones that just probably maybe nobody bets, you know, and those are the ones you take advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because I hit the bet. Um, of the deferment, and everybody around me after I told them the bet, including even Abby, like, well, of course that was going to hit. I think I was only laying five to one. Yeah, but that was like free money. I said, yeah, I know, and I was only laying five to one. Like, you know, it, it's amazing because we've had we've had hockey games tip this year. We've had hockey games go off at like five to one, and we had the deferment at five to one. If you look through the props, and I say this year after year, if you look through the props. And you break down 500 plus props, and that's how many that they have. You'll find mistakes here and there. You'll find little areas that you go, wait a minute. You know, you almost take a step back. You're like, ah, that's almost too easy. 
right? Why do they do that? Why are they giving me this this free money? And when you see something like that, man, just load up. I told Abby, I said, listen, I said, babe, if I could find a place that wouldn't limit me, because I told you I was limited at two sportsbooks. I said, if I could find a place that wouldn't limit me, as I hate to tell you, I would literally take our house money out and I would put I would put the mortgage on uh, on the deferment. And she's like, and I would back you up on it. I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's how, how we were, you know, but, but you do get limited in certain spots. But they do make mistakes for the Super Bowl. And they do make big-time errors. Back the brink truck up, Tommy. We're loading up under the ferment. Yeah, I, I was there. I was like, listen, my house is worth, like, you know, 450 maybe five. And, it, you know, how much can I get? All right. Five hundred grand to win hundred grand. I'm in. I'm in. I'm going. I'm going right now. Easy hundred grand. Easy. Yeah, exactly. Easy hundred. Why not? But I did get limited. I got limited two different sports books. I got limited. I got. I got. I was like, come on, man. You know. And I didn't feel like driving to Atlantic City to go do more and try to figure out the situation because I had already been limited. I, it is funny that you see, you read stories and you hear stories about like Matrix Mac. But now nine million dollars, and I read a story today that somebody walked into the casino and put a million dollars on the Rams in the first quarter, a million dollars on the Rams in the half, million dollars on the Rams for the game, and I'm like, you know, I try to bet like two grand on on the deferment, and I get told I can only bet five hundred bucks. <laughs> right. One last football note. I was thinking this when I saw the the uh, when it came up on the screen when they showed the the image. And then it's crazy nowadays what what the uh, social media has done to where you actually can find people, Tom, that think like you. So I know you saw this. They they pulled up this graphic of Joe Cool, right? So it had Joe Namath, then it had Joe Montana, and then it was Joe Cool 3. Could it be Joe Burrow? And I said to myself, first thing popped in my mind, I was like, what about Joe Flacco, guys? He won a Super Bowl, right? How, how, are, we, how are we not talking about Joe Flacco? He's a Super Bowl MVP. How did my boy get left out of that, Tommy? It's funny how he constantly gets left out. And I did see what you, what you were looking at. I saw a lot of the comments being like, are we really like not putting Joe Flacco in there? Here's, here's the reality, Tim. Here's the hard truth. You want the hard truth? I may get exiled from New York by saying this, but it's the truth. Joe Flacco is a better quarterback than Joe Namath. He didn't have the flash. He didn't have the pizzazz. He didn't have the coat, right? Uh, but Joe Flacco is a better quarterback than Joe Namath. And that is the truth. That, and that's what that's the reason why he's not looked at that way, right, Tommy? Because he doesn't have that personality. The guy won in the playoffs. He's one of the only few to beat Tom Brady in an AFC title game. We know that. He's Super Bowl MVP. And statistically, I mean, he doesn't have gaudy Aaron Rodgers numbers, but he was efficient enough to, to be with the team for a long, long time, and they, they made the playoffs consistently. You know, it was uh, him being left off. And then the fact that Joe Burrow didn't even win this game. So <laughs> Joe Cool 3 is Joe Flacco as far as I'm concerned, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Joe Cool number one is Joe Montana. Yeah. After that, no debate. we can talk. We, we can talk, right? You want to give me a name it? I'm talking Flacco. So, and now you're talking Burroughs? Yeah, no, he's behind all of them. But 
Number one is Joe Montana. Outside of Montana, now we're having a conversation. And I think that you have a good argument to make that Joe Flacco is more Joe Cool than Joe Namath is. All right, to end this out, Tom, we kind of touch on this every week. And uh, every week we don't, we don't get anywhere with this. So first let's talk about some of the agreements that we've, we've heard in Major League Baseball that some of the rules are going to change, some things that they did actually agree to other than when we're going to start playing. So first thing, obviously, the universal DH. I think it's good. I think it's good for the game. I've been a proponent of the DH for a long time, and people say, Tom, you know, you're a purist of the game. How are you for the DH? Here's why. We're in a just a situation in baseball where, uh, you know, everyone's going younger. Everyone's going younger and cheaper, Tim, right? We're not in the day and age where uh, Chris Davis is getting a long 10-year contract, right? We're in a day and age where everyone's getting younger and cheaper, which is forcing out a lot of players that probably – still have a lot left in their bat, but they can't really move around in the field. I think that this is going to give us um, good players and give us an extended life of those good players for a long time. I, I don't believe that it's a bad thing in any way, shape, or form. I know that we're all looking back and we're saying, well, that, you know, that, that Bartolo Colon home run, or, or that Jacob DeGrom hit, or Madison Bumgarner getting up. All right, that's cool, but here's the thing. One of every what? 50 times the pitcher comes up. It's exciting most of the times. It's already just looking at it and you're going, yeah, I mean, come on. It's it's already an immediate out. Um, the pitching averages are skewed. If you're talking about a fantasy league, I'm already looking at National League pitchers and going, yeah, I'm going to get a bump and, a bump and strikeouts. Why? Because I'm going to strike out a pitcher more, right? I mean, that's just reality. So now you sort of level the playing field. Now – you give everybody the same rules, and you're able to keep these veterans on a little bit longer. So I, I'm all for the DH. I'm all for the universal DH. I think it should have been implemented years ago. So I, even though I'm a purist in most senses, Tim, I like it. So this is what I, I saw this uh, tweet, and I'm, I'm pretty sure this is kind of timetable-wise where we're at. If, if there's no deal by March 1st, Tom, which is two weeks away, then they're going to start cutting games, right? So they're, they're not even, according to, to many outlets, they're not even 50% chance that that's going to happen. So um, the first step would be to shave 10 games. You know, are, are we really looking at this now that we're two weeks away from having a, a false start? this gets done. I mean, they're saying 50% at this point. That's not good odds. Now, I think we lose games, Tim, and, and I don't think anybody cares. That's the thing. I mean, I've argued for a long time that we should go back to 154 game schedule. I've argued for, for a decade plus that we should go back to that kind of schedule with the spring and the extended postseason and now adding you know, an extra round of the playoffs. It just made a lot of sense. And you don't have to just agree with me more than just ask the players and the owners. Nobody is against it, Tim. Even the players, when you go, ah, oh, you know what, you, you might miss 10 games. Nah, all right. <laughs> you know, like, that, it's not the worst thing in the world kind of uh, mentality. I think when we get past that, when, because if, if I'm not mistaken, 
it goes in increments of 10, right? So they're going to say, if by March 1st, then we're going to shave 10 games off. I think it's, it, it, I think it's by March 7th, then we shave 20 games off. I think when you start getting into that 20, 30, 40 range, especially after a pandemic, especially after these short seasons, that's where people's antennas are going to go up. But to shave 10 games off of a schedule that the players themselves are going, all right, 10 games less, that's okay. The owners are going, ah, it's only 10 games, no big deal. I don't think anybody really cares about shaving 10 games. It's when you start getting into that 15, 20 game range that people's antennas are going to start to go up. Is, is this all dollars and cents, Tom? Is it all economic? That's what it comes down to. I mean, of course the players aren't going to mind the 10 games. They don't have to play, right? It, it's such a long season to begin with, but what's the sticking stick? What's the major sticking point in these, these two sides not being able to agree? And you know, most of the time in life and everything in life, sports, I always say kind of follow the money, right? I always go follow the money and figure it out. This isn't a follow-the-money situation. This is a power grab. The owners want to say, we still control the sport. The owners want to have that power that we still own you. We still are uh, the dictators of what happens in this sport, like the NFL is right now with the owners, right? Like the NBA is with the owners. And Major League Baseball is losing that grip of we are in control. And it's slowly going to the players. We all root for the players. We all root for the Players Association. But let's, let's be very clear here. The Players Union is the most powerful union in the country. And the Players Union has massive, immense power that in a lot of times does a disjustice to the overall game. I, I, I think that the Players Union is probably correct here. They're probably right. And they're probably on the side of good more than the owners. But... This is a power grab. I think it goes beyond money, Tim, and this is more of who really is in control. So you think we're going to lose some games? You don't think it'll be more than 10, 20 at the most? You know, I'm still hopeful that we don't lose games. I'm still hopeful that eventually they come to the table, one side kind of concedes, and thankfully – what we do have is we have people coming out there and going, all right, we, we are making progress. We, we got we got the DH. All right. So they are kind of making progress. I'm hopeful, Tim. I do not think we lose more than 10 games, though. I, worst case scenario is a 10-game shaving. I do not believe we lose more than 10 games. Tom, you don't lose much at all over at TomBartonSports.com. Winners today and the props uh, hockey's been absolutely amazing since the beginning of the year. NBA record is untouchable, and I know you pick your spots there, but it wins a win. Talk about the website, and then of course, you got the podcast, you got the YouTube channel, and your shows during the week as well. Yeah, absolutely, guys. I want you guys to go check out SGN hashtag SGN Sports Garden Network uh, over there. Uh, you know, myself, Rashad Jennings. Do a show every Sunday, and you go check out the podcast. We have Believe in Betting, and Wagering Week is the podcast as well. But my YouTube channel is taking off here, Tim. I'm going to have a YouTube up tomorrow morning on the reaction of the Super Bowl, my reaction of the halftime, an extended view of what we talked about here. It is Tom Barton Sports over on YouTube, and, of course, TomBartonSports.com. Here's the thing. Everybody probably in the handicapping business was sending you notices. Come on, jump on board for the big game. Jump on board for the Super Bowl. Oh, go crazy. And listen, 
I told my members, I have a lot of prop plays that you can win, and we cleaned up on the props. But I don't even like the game. Why? Because it doesn't matter. I'm going to give you 30 days of plays for less than $100. You sign up today, you're going to get 30 days of plays. NBA, NHL, college uh, basketball, you're going to get it all for less than $100. No commission, no upgrades, no extra fees. It is TomBartonSports.com. Tom, have a great week. Enjoy your three-day vacation next week, my friend. All right. Have a good one. To talk to you guys in two weeks. Tom Barton, TomBartonSports.com, Wagering Week, the podcast. I downloads into my phone every week and listen to it on the ride home before. It's, it's great stuff. Make sure you check out Tom and, of course, over on his YouTube channel as well, Tom Martin Sports. We're off next week. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Special thanks, of course, to Ari and Ryan for holding it down back in the studio for us. Until then, T-Web Sports, only on Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Have a good one.